Ah, dear listener, we're back. The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast, back for another year. And it's already kicked off with some amazing stuff happening in the world of news and politics and sex and religion. So we're looking forward to a big year. If you're in the chat room, say hello. Some of you are already there, which is good. Uh, Watley, uh, Dire Straits, Jack H is there. So good on you guys. If you're in the chat room, say hello. And, you know, a little bit of a straw poll. Uh, Novak Djokovic, should we kick him out or let him play? We'll be talking about it, obviously. So let us know your thoughts, um, your vote either way, and we'll see what you've got to say. And maybe, you'll, maybe your mind will change as we'll talk about things. So I, of course, am Trevor, a.k.a. The Iron Fist, uh, with me when she's not flying around the world or Australia, Shay the Subversive. Hello, Shay. Good evening. And Joe the Tech Guy. Evening, all. So we're back for another 2022. Joining us later, um, a special uh, surprise for you will be Deep Throat, who's going to talk about uh, uh, vaccinations and where the needle should actually go in your arm and a few other things like that. So he's sitting in the green room um, looking like Santa Claus at the moment and uh, he's ready to go when we've finished about Novak Djokovic. And I can see him there. And um, deep throat, if if you're really keen to contribute, put your hand up, and we'll put you we'll put you through. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yes, okay. 2022, we're kicking it off. And um, hello, David Cox, and hello, Daniel, in the chat room. Wow, um, no vax, jock evicted, uh, is what I've titled this episode. Um, Shay, is is tennis? something that you keep track of have you is it a sport you fight sport like that at all no right not really okay yeah i i did watch ash barty right. at wimbledon yep but that'll be the first time okay in have, years have you felt compelled to follow this whole drama or have you just been like nah couldn't care less like what's it been on your scale of interest it's um been hard to escape mm. Yeah, it's just been it's been everywhere. Mm. Facebook, Twitter, the news, um, all my news podcasts. So kind of do it is interesting. Because mm. there's not a lot of other things going on necessarily. So um, except we've bought three point two billion dollars worth of tanks and a few other things that we'll talk about. <laughs> uh, okay, if you're in the chat room, uh, leave him in or throw him out. And uh, David is in the. Uh, throw him out camp. Let us know your votes as to what we should do with uh, Novak Djokovic. So um, really there's a bit of a conundrum here because uh, as it was said in Crikey, I think it was in Crikey, an article I read, which said that uh, Australia is a country that defines itself by two things. Uh, we love our sport and we love talking, uh, taking down or chopping down tall poppies so really the case is which one do we enjoy the most here? Do we, do we want our sport or do we want to chop down a tall poppy? Um, really, you know, Morrison's really boxed himself into quite a conundrum here in, and it's hard to see him escaping this without significant damage. So, you know, on the one hand, though, this isn't unusual. I mean, every few years Australia takes an international superstar hostage for unclear reasons, and then we release them without explanation. And this is very popular with Australians. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, well, the examples historically are um, Johnny Depp and Amber's dogs, uh, Pistol and Boo, if you remember. We threatened to deport them. 
Uh, it will be interesting. Apparently, there may be perjury charges on that one. On really on the on the pistol and boo saga. Uh, in the divorce case, uh, there was further evidence came out that Amber Heard had perjured herself. Right. Okay. So that was Barnaby Joyce, of course, who threatened to do that. Frank Sinatra, when he was in town many many years ago, and he got in trouble for calling uh, female journalists broads or hookers or something like that, and so. Basically, Bob Hawke got the uh, transport industry to basically refuse to fly him and he was holed up in a hotel room until he apologised and worked out a settlement and was allowed to move around the country and eventually leave. So we have held an international superstar hostage before. Um, Other examples, um, The Who, the band The Who, toured Australia 1968, flanked by... Two Small Faces, which was another band, and uh, they were playing lots of gigs, and, but the tour was cut short after an incident on an ANSET flight from Adelaide to Essendon that seemed remarkable for its mildness more than anything. En route to Melbourne, a bottle of beer was produced and off-colour language was used. Before long, Prime Minister John Gordon had sent a telegram to the band insisting that they leave Australia never to return. We've got form on this. And Joe Cocker was expelled in 1970 for drug possession. And that's why drug abuse is completely unknown in this country. There you go. So. <laughs> what a farce. What a fiasco. What an incompetent bunch of numb nuts we've got in charge of this country who can't even stop a tennis player from coming in, who they knew was a rabid anti-vaxxer. They couldn't have written to him, flagged it, worked it out with the tennis officials beforehand, a dire warning saying we're not letting him in. It's just management 101. If, of course this is going to blow up. But if you're too busy putting on fluoro vests and attending the cricket and, other, and holding up a fish that you've just cooked for a curry dish and... And if you're just into these sorts of things, you're not doing the real work of government. And if your staff is just full of people who are doing your tweets and your social media posts and they're not thinkers, then and then if you just are looking for a, a, a knee-jerk, if you knee-jerk react to everything and you're looking for what you think might be a good distraction from the moment, so when rats are unavailable or expensive and the system's in a catastrophe and you think, oh, here's a diversion, we'll talk tough on Novak Djokovic and then you get caught out. If you're just lazy and grossly incompetent and are not able to just sort of see things through, this is where you end up. And oh, here's the thing, though, dear listener. I expect, I just got a message from a close right-wing friend of mine and he was like, ah, fuck-ups, they all do it. Look at, look at Labor with the, with the um, insulation bats. That killed four people and it was a complete catastrophe. They all do it. They're all the same. Like, for some people, you will never change them. You'll, no matter how grossly incompetent this bunch is, there are some people you'll never change. So, sorry, how many deaths are we going so far? Um, I mean, nowhere, yeah. nowhere near the rest of the world, but... Yeah. Uh, actually, I thousand? can tell you, I looked it up, actually, and it is um, 2,416. 
Oh, Australia go. since the beginning. Yeah. But for some people, you just no amount of four, four of deaths just, is absolutely did, uh, un, unbelievable. Shouldn't be allowed. And then two th- two and a half thousand. Oh well, you know they all fuck up. Exactly. Some people you'll never convince about just what a bunch of hopeless, corrupt, fucking wankers these guys are. But hopefully enough of the younger generation are seeing something about this and are recognising what have we got ourselves into with this crowd. You would think, Shay, do you hold out hope that this people will remember this or will they forget? I'm worried they're going to forget. Like this is only January... I really don't think the young people are the problem. He is speaking to the boomers. This has got a, a boomers populace all over it. Young people don't traditionally vote for the Liberal National Party. They will see this as a stunt. Yeah. And I think they're hoping, they're hoping, certainly I am, that like he's, he's Novak Djokovic has basically held Scott Morrison to account. He had a little bit of power. He used the power. Good. I, I would actually... My contempt for Scott Morrison has gotten so big that I would stand shoulder to shoulder with Novak right now. Right. And fucking let him play. The more <laughs> humiliation we can bring to Scott Morrison, the happier I am. Seriously, it's a, it's a disgrace. Right. No, because it's really, you... really impactful. The lack of, um, it's, it's negligence, not just incompetence. Maybe it'd be more embarrassing for him, though, if, if he does actually put him on a plane and send him out of the country. The world media will come crashing down on him at that point. <laughs> it could be worse. Like, what is the best Do option here? Really Do Australians really care what the world thinks? Apparently not. No. True. Um, he should, you know, um, unfortunately his win is going to be seen as a validation of all the anti-vaxxers' points ever, uh, and it's just going to give them more bravado in ignoring and flouting our laws. Mm. And and so I think we wear it. We say Australia is a sovereign nation. So what if you think you had permission from Tennis Australia? Tennis Australia is not the um, immigration service. Correct. Is we'll it? get onto the details soon. We'll just have a little bit of a rant and get out some frustration <laughs> from three or four weeks of watching this shit show. It looks like in the chat room you guys are a bit the same, like you've launched off with uh, an amazing amount of comments here. Um, So uh, David was in the throw him out camp. Uh, Steel Wolf says agreed, throw him out. Um, uh, Steel Wolf Wolf asks, is it some sort of tag and release program? (laughs) (laughs) You kiss him as you throw him back into the water. Um, Yeah. let me see. Uh, Craig B says, can't believe he's still here. And Daniel says, um, we're a sovereign nation. We can turn away whom we please. But I agree, it's beyond a farce. Celebrity and sports people are a law unto themselves. So, okay. So if you just joined the chat room, let us know um, your opinion. Uh, should he stay or should he go? Um, what should happen to Novak? Now, if he stays, there will be trouble. Yeah. If he goes, there'll be trouble. It's, it's, it's a no-win situation now for Morrison. Who declared, by the way? This is when um, he declared, Mr Jokovic's visa has been cancelled. Rules are rules, especially when it comes to our borders. No one is above these rules. Our strong border policies have been critical to Australia having one of the lowest death rates in the world from COVID. We are continuing to be vigilant. 
ordinarily you'd say it's impossible to make that statement and not pull the trigger on the special powers that the immigration minister has for fear of appearing to be a massive hypocrite. But of being, the fear of being a massive hypocrite just doesn't rate with these guys, does it? So, um, uh, okay. Um, right, so in the beginning of this whole saga, there was a lot of talk about what did Tennis Australia say to Novak? What assurances did they give? And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they said. I could have been completely fraudulent about what advice they were giving him. It's not Tennis Australia's um, role to decide what the rules are. So the rules are there in place and if Tennis Australia mucked them up or didn't muck them up, it really bears nothing in relation to what happens to Jokovic other than maybe he could sue Tennis Australia for damages for misleading him if that's what they did. So... But it has absolutely no bearing on the actual outcome of his entitlement to a visa as to what Tennis Australia told him uh, if, if it was contrary to the rules. So um, I saw a tweet from somebody that said, um, read the fine print. Did Tennis Australia tell him that federal border restrictions were a different process? Anyone should work that out. Just because I've got a ticket to Disneyland doesn't mean I've got a visa to enter America. That's a good analogy, actually. They had rules in relation to competing in their tennis tournament and Victoria had rules in relation to quarantining in Victoria, but that's all quite separate to whatever the rules are that the federal government has in relation to allowing people into the country. And as much as Morrison will try and deflect and blame Dictator Dan for this, <laughs> surely everybody recognises that it's the federal government's role as to who comes into the country or not on a visa. Surely they did their best in the early days to try and distract and blame Dan and blame Tennis Australia, but I think everybody's pretty much worked that out, surely. Well, border this is files a federal, are government. A federal force. Border files are a federal force, aren't they? Yeah, indeed. I'm a little bit worried that the judge in the case didn't actually work that out. We'll get to that. So, Well... I was mm -hmm. going to say he just said uh, you didn't give him due process. Well, but he said more than that. He said, what more could this man have done? The answer Got was... Got vaccinated? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it's Indeed. not difficult. St stayed at home if he didn't meet the visa entry requirements? Uh, something like 90% of all Australian adults have managed it. Yeah. So... Um, so what do we got here is um, in the court case, essentially, dear listener, this is about procedure and was the correct procedure uh, followed when Border Force uh, rejected him. And, and the case that Jokovic won was not, was not on the substantive argument of whether he was validly entitled to a visa and had met the requirements. The, the argument he'd won was that the border officials, border force officials, did not use the appropriate procedure when kicking him out. And that's a totally different thing to the substantive issue. So, so it was really because what they did was um, 
they made procedure in the end. They decided that there were procedural errors, and um, in the small hours of Thursday morning, officials promised Jokovic until eight thirty a.m. to seek advice about the proposed cancellation. They reneged on that, abruptly cancelling his visa at seven forty-two a.m. One official wanted the matter resolved before their shift ended. Like, that's where they made their mistake. They said one thing and they did another. They made a procedural error. So there was no decision made about the act and whether he had complied with it in terms of the requirements for a visa. So what happens with uh, this sort of judicial administrative review is... The court doesn't substitute a judgment and doesn't say, oh, the decision maker um, should, I hereby order the decision maker should have done this, X, Y, Z. The judge simply says the process was wrong and the decision arrived at at that process is quashed. Now go back and do it all again. Like go back and and reprocess it again, and this time don't make the same mistake. That's that's what happens in these judicial review cases. So um, by way of explanation, with our satanic religious instruction lessons that is currently before the Supreme Court in Queensland, and we're still waiting on a judgment five months later, presumably we've got some merit in this case. I'm starting to get excited about it. But there were two parts to it. It was basically we applied to run satanic religious instruction lessons and we filled in the form and we submitted it and the uh, in my view the decision makers who rejected us did so because they relied on reasons that we had had no opportunity to object to they just said you're rejected because of xyz and we meant well, what do you mean xyz like nobody ever asked us about that you, you never came to us and asked us about those things so your rejection of us was invalid. So we've got a really, really strong case to have the procedural letter thrown out and for the whole case to go back to the Department of Education, who will then be asked to make the decision again. And, um, and, and our case is a little bit different because we also then sought an, an order, a declaration as to our validity as a religious organisation. But the reason why we sought that declaration is because just getting a, for us, just winning on administrative review isn't good enough because it just sends it back to the original decision maker who can still just screw you over again. So, so that's what's really happened in this case where the judge has said, Procedurally, Border Force mucked it up. The decision's no good. And now it's open to Border Force to make the same decision again, but this time do it properly. Or it's also open to um, one of the ministers for immigration to use some extraordinary powers that they've got and just kick him out anyway. So, um, so, so it's basically all about procedure and the fact that they'd uh, mucked up the procedures, which is extraordinary because apparently while all this was happening, like imagine you're in border force and you're going to be kicking Jokovic out of the country. You reckon you're not ringing some pretty high up people and saying, you want me to do what? What do I say next? At, at four what? in the morning. 
Yep. He's asked for a delay until 8.30. I told him yes. Okay, but you're telling me now I don't have to? Okay. Like all of this would have come from very, very high up. Um, it's not just some poor Border Force employee yeah. with, his, with his Gestapo black outfit acting on his own here. Like he's clearly talking to his superiors. They were on the phone to Dutton. Yeah. And to muck it up procedurally, despite all that, shows that there weren't many lawyers in the room by the sounds of it. So, um, so yeah, so that's where we're at is that um, despite what the judge said, it was all about procedure. It's entirely open to the government to actually look at the rules and say um, you did not meet the requirements. Here is a fresh decision where we have complied with all the things that procedures we need to comply with, and you're out, mate. Um, the other one is that there's just this extraordinary power because because we in Australia have have a, um, a particular expertise in not allowing people into the country. The, the act in question has these amazingly broad and incredible powers for the relevant minister just to say, "I don't feel like letting you in." Out you go, without any review. So. They've definitely got the power to do it if they want to. You know, politically, though, now is the question. They're just it's, – it's now about how to – what's the best decision in terms of the next election? <laughs> There's nothing in this about, oh, what's in Australia's best interests in terms of vaccination and keeping people safe and, and examples for the future. It's all about bloody hell, what do we do now? so that we can win the next election. Um, I don't know which one's the best option. I don't know. Good luck. Yeah. So that's what we've arrived at. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some comments about um, effectively you have to be vaccinated to enter Australia unless you have a medical exemption. Hmm. And the medical exemption is only a temporary reprieve because you've been unable to get vaccinated. So you either cannot be vaccinated or for some reason you were and were unable to, in which case you've got six months to do it because you've been ill. But that's not a, uh, a free pass. It's not a, yeah, because when it comes back next year and we still demand vaccination, is he going to catch COVID again? Hmm. It's he, he's well, he's trying to game way. he's gaming the system. He's demanding an exemption. He's demanding special privilege. Hmm. And I think the answer but is no. He, fuck off. But doesn't he meet that eligibility requirement because he can get a medical exemption on the basis that it's not recommended to get a vaccine after you've had COVID? There's a period of time you have to wait. Two weeks. No, I, I think. I think. This, is, this is the difficulty. The sixteenth. December, so what's the date today? After the 30th of December. The, the difficulty with all this is that as you're reading stuff and people are quoting rules, you don't know whether that's a Tennis Australia rule, whether it's a Victoria quarantining rule, or whether mm. it is a federal government visa rule. And people, as I'm reading stuff in social media and even in um, reputable um mainstream media are getting these things intertwined and mixed up all the time. So 
I read somewhere, and I haven't had the chance or the time to verify it, which was that under the under the Migration Act, um, the fact that you, um, you you couldn't rely on the fact that you've previously contracted a disease as a reason for not being vaccinated. Like it specifically said that in the in the Migration Act. Now you'll see other people quoting other stuff, um, but that's to do with often Victorian quarantining rules and Tennis Australia rules and not the federal visa rules. So the reporting on this by the media has been terrible because they say things like, Jokovic has won, he'll be playing, without yeah. without stopping and going, well, of course, the federal government can still make the decision. Like they just knew nothing about it, these people. And, and the confusion where they've been chopping and changing between ATAGI rules, Victorian rules, Tennis Australia rules and and migration rules makes it really confusing to try and um, um, get to the final answer. So, um, so yeah, but it certainly is the case that the, the minister can just say on public interest grounds, I'm saying you're out. Um, apparently I was looking on Twitter. I've actually been following Twitter a little bit in recent times and Somebody was saying on that that um, that they're looking heavily at whether he lied about whether he travelled in the last two weeks. Apparently, when you fill in your form, you have to say whether you have done any over travel between countries in the last two weeks. And he said no. And they're looking at his social media posts, which seem to indicate yes. So, so it, the point and, was he flew out of Spain. Mm. So he had to have been in Spain for at least two weeks. Mm. And it looks like he didn't leave Serbia until a week before he flew. And there's some other posts with him, social media things where he's appeared at different things. So, But also so, he's supposed to isolate for two weeks after testing positive. Yeah. And he was pictured out in public with no mask on. But so more importantly, on the visa application, when you were asked, have you travelled between countries in the last two weeks? And you say no. And at the bottom of the application, it says, if you've lied about anything in your responses, that's a serious problem. And we may use that as a reason for rejecting your visa. So they are madly scampering now to see whether he lied on those sorts of things. And we'll use that as sort of ammunition for potentially bouncing him out. What a mess. What a complete mess. And if he gets kicked out for this, he's banned for three years, although that's a case by case. It, it, they could always waive that. They could always say up to three years. So they could say, well, you can come back next year if you want to. Oh, dear idea. Okay. Um, My view is, is that if they let him play, that will be it for them. I just think particular, particularly Victoria will be so outraged if they let him play that they'll definitely lose a federal election. Right. View. I think Australia is largely centrist. I think the uh, sounds like Shay has just frozen yep, she has and she disappeared. Just out. <laughs> Hopefully, she'll come back. So, um, David in the chat room says it took me two years to get visa uh, to get my visa to come to Australia. Every single part of every form had to be absolutely correct. Why is it not the same for Novak's? I think it might be David. I think they're going through it with a fine tooth comb. Um, uh, let me just see. Um, 
Uh, did we block Dice Straits for any reason, Joe, in the chat? Have we blocked no, anybody? No. I've, I've looked. It might be the bot. Okay. So. It might be the bot. He did automatically Dice Straits. We didn't do it. Um, so uh, let me see. Because Dice Straits thought he was, uh, it was blocking him swearing. Yeah. No, I don't think it might have just uh, come through quickly. So, okay. Hopefully Shay's um, reconnecting and coming back to us. And um, what else have I got here? Oh, so, of course, the Serbian... Um, president came out um, in support of Novak Djokovic, um, called for the end to the harassment. Um, yeah, he um, said, why are we picking on him? He's not a Muslim. Yes. Um, at, at least he cares about his people. Um, well, there is that. So Morrison, um, if you're looking at Julian Assange, is just saying, well, that's a matter for... Uh, for the uh, authorities in the UK and uh, nothing to do with us. So uh, at least the Serbian president cares about his people. Uh, also, um, Barnaby Joyce has said that Novak Djokovic's detention is not hurting Australia's international reputation, which might be a fair enough opinion, except back in 2015, in relation to gay marriage, um, he told the ABC Insiders program that basically Australia's support of gay marriage was harming our international reputation, particularly with places like Indonesia. Um, he said that I think what we have to understand is that when we go there, there are judgments, whether you like it or not, that are made about us and they see in how we negotiate with them, whether they see us, whether they see us as decadent. Um, so that was Barnaby Joyce saying... One of the problems with marriage equality was what would people think of us. Meanwhile, um, he doesn't see any problem with what's uh, happening with Novak Djokovic. Um, you know, what would I do now if I was in charge? Sorry, so you said you would um, – You'd. what would you do? You'd let him stay or you'd kick him out? What would you do with your I think that if they if I think that if they let him stay and play, that will be the end of their government because – the outrage will be so um, palpable, particularly for Victorians oh. who've fallen all, all the rules and um, met all these standards only to be let down so badly. But what would you do if you were in charge? What, if, you were, if you were trying to minimise the damage, well, now what would you do is so you think I the right thing now? Like... What would you think is the right thing to do? Ignoring whether you want to win an election or whatever, what do you think is the right thing to do? Um, the right thing? God, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> it's hard to, isn't it? We get so used to how can we fuck these people over or how can we screw the system more? Um, uh, what about you, Joe? while Chase thinking. Let him, play. let him play. Let him play. The right thing to do, Joe. If you know, just as the right thing to do, if you are a benevolent dictator, in, or no, if you're just thinking, ah, oh, I just want to do the right thing here. What What do you think should happen? I think the right thing is kick him out. Um, he's gaming the system. Mm. Uh, whether or Tennis Australia thought he was valid or not, um, we have rules. He's trying to get an exception to the rules. And it sends a bad message to those people who feel coerced into getting vaccines. Yeah. So those who have been vaccinated despite their misgivings 
and it aids those who think that they have a right to ignore the rules and not be vaccinated. Mm. I, I right. think it's not good for us. Mm. Okay. Before he left, I would have definitely said, you're not allowed in. Like, I would definitely have been in favour of saying, keep him out because he just doesn't comply with the rules. And what if we're just going to let everybody in who's been had COVID but hasn't been vaccinated, and that's a complete change of our system, um, would that be so bad? What, so if we did change the rule and just said, oh, if you've had COVID, you can come in, um, would that be a catastrophe? Um, so we can change the rules, but the problem is why are we changing the rules <laughs> to suit him? Or, or, like, rules have really got to be changed a lot now, though. Like, um, for example... Checking in at every cafe that you go to. Why? What's the point now? Like, so, what is, so should we should we just give up on demanding that people are vaccinated because the majority of us are vaccinated? Yeah, I mean, have we reached? When do we reach the point where we just go? The whole point was to get vaccinated so that we can move on, and have not we have we not reached that point? At now, well, but then you know um, you. There's many countries that still demand the yellow fever vaccination mm. before you travel to the country. Yes. You know, why, why can it not be part of um, our, our border requirements? There was mm. certainly when I applied for my visa to come here, um, I couldn't be HIV positive and I couldn't have tuberculosis. Yep. So, you know, yep. I, I, and, it's and not unusual. Yeah. And that was because... We don't want to have to pay for your health care in the which you have so, a much higher risk of, of So if of, Djokovic caught COVID and ended up in hospital on a ventilator for months. Right. Okay. Well that's so being unvaccinated. Having had the disease, does that make your chances of hospitalization far less? Um if he's had Delta like... and he catches Omicron, probably not. Hmm. If he's had on the and he catches a Delta, probably not. Deep throat, do some homework in the meantime before you come on on that one. <laughs> Might need your help. <laughs> but, you know, it's things like, um, for example, people coming in overseas who are ha having to quarantine for two weeks. Meanwhile, people who are already here and we know have got COVID, we're saying, oh, one week's enough. Like this, and that's clearly a, a bizarre inconsistency, like... So we are really in the realm where a lot of these rules have to start changing, I think. And or at least bring in some consistency. Enough yes. with the cough. You know, working at airports, I was so expecting to see much better management of the vaccination status, the requirements, the PCR tests, and of course we didn't. It's not been a single police check on me or any of the passengers in any of the flights I've done. Not a single one. Right. Yep. So it, I think there is a case for procedural fairness. We do need a consistent line, so fine, but we, we're not actually demonstrating that in Australia or anywhere else. Mm. Mm. So I really don't see why we have to either make old mate a martyr or, yeah, I think it's great. He used some of his power to call out the procedural unfairness mm -hmm. and the cock-ups that keep happening. Mm -hmm. Plenty of other people, like I can see in the chats, plenty of other people who like 
have suffered some unfairness or had to do things a particular way. Yep. So from a health management perspective, it's still a good idea to force people to be vaccinated and just having had uh, the disease really uh, uh, is a, it's, it's a different thing to having been vaccinated in terms of our health management process, it seems. So the vaccination the is a known dose with a known outcome. Yep. The problem with catching the disease is you can test positive, you've had a minor dose which gives you limited um, antibodies, uh, or you could have a major dose which you know, protects you fully. The question is, with a live uh, infection, we don't know how much uh, immunity you've got, yeah. whereas it's a lot more consistent with a vaccine where there's a known dose. Mm. It's yep. not perfect, but there's a better outcome. Yep. And in the end, it's not a lot to ask. Just get a needle in your arm hopefully in the right spot in your arm, which we'll get to very soon. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So we can sort of come to the conclusion it's uh, from a health management perspective for our uh, country, it's still a good idea to insist on vaccinations. The fact that you've had the disease, too bad, just get vaccinated. And really, if we allow him to stay, then for consistency we should be saying... Um, yeah, otherwise we're opening the floodgates to everybody in that situation. So, um. Just on that point on procedural fairness and proper systems, mm. Bernard Tomic is on Twitter at the moment. Uh, he let rip to one of the Tennis Australia officials because he's pretty sure he just lost his tennis match and he reckons he absolutely will have contracted COVID. And he found it absolutely appalling that the only thing that was protecting... Um, he's frozen again. Trevor? No, we can hear um, you. Okay. The only thing that was, that the only protection in place was the rapid antigen test. There's no PCR test or anything else. Right. So he's saying... So he contracted COVID on the tennis court <laughs> by a tennis player and that's what and that's what's cost him the game. Oh, during the game he contracted <laughs> it. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Oh. I think... Oh, he I've heard of lame excuses for losing a tennis match. <laughs> but he does make the same point is we've got to have some consistency. Yeah. Consistency. We've got to have some proper systems. Yes. We've got to, you know, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we won't have to face Djokovic yeah. now, anyway. So in, uh, in the chat room, um, what have we got? Um, uh, Steel Wolf said, Shay is a bot. Everybody look busy. That's when you disappeared. <laughs> uh, Dire Straits, here's a good one. The right thing to do is the opposite of, of whatever the prime marketer thinks. That's that's very good, Dire Straits. I like that. Um, Motley says, the right thing to do is to boot him out. David says, I live in Victoria. Everyone I work with thinks he should be thrown out. Victorians will stop following any guidelines if he stays. So... Um, that's a good point. I mean, here in Queensland, we've been largely immune from all of this stuff. Um, immune's not the right word, but you know what I mean. And um, But, yeah, people have gone through a lot in places like Victoria and the thought that others are sidestepping it uh, and gaming the system. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good point. So, oh, well, um, there we go. So let's introduce... 
Deep Throat, and I'll bring him in now. So, Deep Throat, you're live on air. Welcome back to the podcast. And have you got your microphone on? Because I can't hear you. You're talking away, and you you um you keep talking, and I'll tell you when I can hear you, Deep Throat, because I can't hear you at all at this stage. So allow How access to. How's that? We, That's yes, better. We can, <laughs> we can hear you, Deep Throat. So well, hello, everyone. <laughs> for the good to, third time. <laughs> good to have you back on, uh, Deep Throat. Now, the reason for talking to you is you described a situation to me where you were in a pharmacy watching somebody get vaccinated. Do you want to tell the story and what your thoughts are about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I will. Um, I just thought maybe I'd give people a little bit of background. At one stage I was um, running or my team, I was part of the team running a, a vaccination um, um, system in, in one state in, in a developing country. So, and it was a nightmare trying to get vaccines to rural areas um, in poor areas in India um, and keep the cold chain going. So um, it, it's, it, it's you know, it, it, I mean, in that chain where you're getting vaccines out, it only takes one little hiccup for, for it to all go wrong, okay? So, and, uh, so anyway, getting back to my story, which I told Trevor about, um, um, I was at my local pharmacy and... Uh, and he was really busy because he was doing some vaccinations with Moderna. And I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe Moderna might be better than getting the Pfizer because I'd sort of, you know, was booking in for my booster with, you know, and Pfizer was going to be it. And I was sort of tossing up that sort of thing. And then he went off into his little sort of cupboard um, area to um, uh, to do the vaccine. And then he comes out with a with this, and after giving the vaccine to to this the woman and. Uh, and my heart sort of froze because I saw where where he'd done the vaccine. And it was definitely suboptimal, um, and this is the, really, where the band this is where the band aid was placed on the person's where the band, arm. Yeah, the band aid was placed. So it was a, he shared a nice band aid on there, or, or something like I've just had COVID or something. I can't really read it myself. It it's mentions COVID, so um, it is a little bit above the insertion of the deltoid muscle there, but not not very much, and. Uh, um, it's supposed to be an intramuscular injection, and there are probably a few muscular fibers there, as you can see from from the anatomy book there. But okay, okay so on on the on the screen, dear listener, so you were in the pharmacy and you just sort of surreptitiously took a photo of a shelf, and you just happened to capture this arm yeah, in the that's background. Right. It was Is just that right? sheer yes. accident that this arm just happened to appear in the shot as I was taking a, a, a photo of the instructions on a on some medications there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So you just happen to have it, yes. This, um, so on the screen, dear listener, is the arm in question and the spot where the injection was is very, very high up on the arm compared to where it should be. Is that what we're saying? No, no, no it's in the middle there. It's, the, it's oh, the, where the Band-Aid is. Oh, uh, uh, hang on. I, well, let me see. Uh, oh, my, uh, see, see the Band-Aid? Oh, oh, way over on the edge there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, right, like, okay. like, I, I can't point it, but it's where yeah. the band-aid is. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 dear listener, there is a basically where that. Um, yeah, it's way over on the side. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm, yeah. Okay, I was looking at a different photo. Yeah, so it's around yeah. the side from where it should be. Yeah. So, me. for those so of you yeah there. want to know about anatomy, it's an intramuscular injection, the COVID injections, and they're supposed to go into the deltoid muscle. 
Um, yeah. and, and most people know what the deltoid muscle is, but what they might not know is it inserts actually halfway down the humerus, that, which is the upper, the bone in the upper arm. Um, and at that spot, it's mostly tendon, um, as it is where the, that X is at the top there, where, yep. where, it ins, where the origin of the, um, the muscle is, and that's tendon as well. So if you're injecting it down as low as where he is injecting it, then um, <laughs> your chances of hitting muscle are, you know, like vanishingly small, really, because there's not mm. as much muscle there. It's mostly tendon. So, so I'm, I'm sort of thinking to myself, has this woman had a intratendon injection, which is nowhere that I know is that's where you're supposed to give her the vaccination. Um, wow. So, so I, and, I went, and, and yeah. if you get an injection into the tendon rather than the muscle, is it? Almost useless, is it? Um, yeah, well, yes. In the, I, have, I tried to find out about intratendon injections and there's nothing to find out because no one does that. So I, I'm, on, I'm on shaky ground because I can't give you any scientific evidence. But I was thinking to myself, that must have really hurt when <laughs> she hadn't done that. And I'm thinking tomorrow, and the, the day after, I'm thinking the next day for her, she's going, oh, gee, that was a terrible, terrible COVID vaccine. It's really hot and red and sore and <laughs> right so so yeah so i went home and i put together this sort of a bit of a info form and then i went back to the pharmacist and said oh look um, you know i don't i don't want to be mean or anything like that but i think you gave it in the wrong spot and i think he took it on board and I'm, i hope he's professional about it and uh, and, and has learned something from that um and uh he did say that he did say that look you know you know, people make mistakes, and hopefully they learn from their mistakes. So, so I think he took it in in good form, really. So, but anyway, that's that's my story there, and and I got that from I think that might have been um, also on the CDC website about you know where vaccines are supposed to do, and that adverse reaction there, which is the sort of thing this poor woman might be looking at the day after with um, inflammation and uh, and swelling and that. But the other wow. thing is, um, there's a good chance, you know, that it hasn't taken, you know, as a, as a vaccine. She thinks she's had a booster or whatever it was, and and she's fine. But um, if it doesn't go into the muscle where there's a good vascularization, you know, vascular um, vascularization of that tissue, then it hangs around a bit in the subcutaneous tissue, and therefore it will tend to get denatured, um, and therefore might not have as much effect as it should have. So. So here I'm thinking like there's been what, well over 100 years of vaccine development and, you know, we've had this massive thing on, on you know, genetics and genetic engineering and they've got this vaccine done in the Pfizer labs and they've got it out and they've got all the way through here and then some pharmacist gives it in the wrong spot. I'm going, oh, wow. You know, like, gee, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Every step of the chain has to be in place, as you say. Every step. There's only need once one thing has to go wrong, and and, and you're done. And uh, yep. and I've yes. seen that happen. Yeah. Now some places take this very seriously. The positioning, deep throat. Tell, tell oh, yeah, that story yeah, yeah. as well. So, yeah, um, you know how when you get your you know you've had your COVID vaccine, and probably after the, on the first one you get that sheet, or you, hopefully you had, and you've got to tick the boxes. No, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have that. And uh, on that sheet, there's a thick condition unfortunately my wife has one of those um conditions rare conditions where she can't have the vaccine and so we were sweating on this because her immunologist um 
was saying, look, if you get COVID, it's probably going to kill you. If you get the vaccine, it's got a good chance of killing you. So we're sort of in this terrible situation. But what they did was at the Royal Brisbane Hospital here in Brisbane, um, they um, opened up a specialist vaccination clinic for people who have problems with vaccine, vaccination um, to see if they can get round it and help them. So so her immunologist you know, referred her along to this vaccination clinic and she went through the whole process and they got the different vaccines tested to see which would be the safest. And then, you know, holding her breath, she goes in there and, and gets it done. But the interesting thing was when they, um, when she was having it done, the nurse who did it measured out, you know, with using the, the um, anatomical landmarks and marked where it should go. And she actually did it three times to make sure it was exactly where it should be using the needle that was going to be exactly the right length for her, you know, body, um, body makeup. Um, and, and that's how she had. So my, I don't know for sure, but I think being a specialist in immunisation um, clinic, they want to get exactly in the right spot so that you, you don't get adverse sort of reactions and that. So I don't think that's necessary for the average um, um, doctor or pharmacist to do because you've got a pretty good big area there to aim. So, it, it, it doesn't cause any problems. But after that, I that next week, I actually had my booster. <laughs> you know, at, uh, so I didn't go to the pharmacist. I decided against Moderna. I'd go for the Pfizer where I was already booked in. So I went, went for them and I, I waited until I'd had my um, vaccination and then uh, my booster. And I said, oh, look, what do you think about this? And she started laughing when I showed her where the, where the, where the um, you know, the Band-Aid picture and all yes. that. And she said, I'm laughing because if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. <laughs> and and then when I got home, I got out, I, I, I got into the front of the mirror and thought, where, you know, where's she got? Because I had a tiny little Band-Aid on, one of those yeah. spot ones. And it was, it was within two millimetres of the exact centre. So when you've right. done them enough of them, you can just eyeball it and go bang and get it in. So. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't, before going, market yourself with a pen. I was going to, but I, I, I'm sort of thinking, this is a big insult, really. <laughs> <laughs> so I just trusted that going to a doctor was going to be better. But having said that, you know, I probably just, it was complete fluke to come across this situation and probably yeah. every, every, let me say, every other pharmacist in Australia is doing the right thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, dear listener. When you're going for your jab, um, look at the. Um, it'll be on the website. It'll be in the show notes. It'll probably be the picture we use for this episode. Um, a picture of where it should go. Um, yeah. Can and, I give uh, a, Can I just say one other thing? So yeah. once once you you invited me on, Trevor, I, I yes. thought, gee, I better do a little bit more research and make sure I'm on <laughs> on solid ground here, and and I and I am. But I came across. There's a, there's a um, website which and it's done by Melbourne Melbourne Vaccination um, Education Centre, and they say how to do vaccines and and it's not quite right. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, I'm going. Hang on, their picture. Yeah, you know, they've got this picture, and it doesn't quite add up to the this, you know what they're saying in the words. So so. I've got some sympathy for the um, the pharmacist because maybe he was looking at that and and he's gone online. He's possibly gone online and just looked at things and and made his own decision up. I don't know. Does the pharmacy guild? Maybe there's a pharmacist pharmacist listening to this right now. Do they give yeah. um, education and instruction? They should do. But uh, 
it, it, it's very easy, you know, with Mr. Google to sort of get on the wrong track. Well, yeah. I think I read somewhere in the UK with the NHS that they avoided long queues because they asked for volunteers for people mm-hmm. to come and be trained in how to give injections. And so a lot of the significant number of injections were done by people who had no other medical training other than how to Correct. get an injection. And they said, would be... Mum said it was a bunch of middle-aged um, retire. Oh, sorry, middle-class retirees right. who were all having a wonderful time. She said it was wonderfully efficient and she was in and out. They didn't even hold her for 15 minutes. It was in, get your vaccine, and then you're out again. Yep. And, yeah. and I, I can imagine somebody like that could actually be even better than a fully trained you know, nurse or medical professional because with the right attitude, they just do what they're told without any preconceived ideas that they know better. So I think I mentioned before on the podcast, Deep Throat, about they, um, they surveyed people in a hospital uh, how to do CPR correctly and there was like the registrar, the nurse, there was the cardiac surgeon, there was the, the ward psychologist and a whole range of people who were, who were basically given the uh, material on how to do it correctly and then were tested on how well they did. And the person who performed best was the psychologist because <laughs> they, the psychologists would just do what they were told according to the instructions and follow it to the letter, whereas the other people thought, oh, I've heard all this before, I remember back in uni days we were told to do this or do that and had these preconceived ideas that affected their performance. So an untrained person uh, who just, with the right attitude, may be the best person? Oh, I, well, I think there's a lot to, lot to be said for that and also mm. for pharmacists and, you know, doctors and nurses. This is a small part of their day in, in a sense, you know, doing this sort of thing. They're, they're more focused on other things. So I think you're right and... Um, just going back to that in, that um, vaccination service that I was involved with and, and effectively running, um, we, we we trained up health workers, which was based on the barefoot doctor model. And so what you were saying was correct. We just said, these are the things that we want you to do. The rest of it, you make sure you get them to a doctor or a nurse. But in your, it was with refugees, in your refugee settlements, um, this is what we want you to do. And um, and I think you're right. I think, you know, they were just focused on this. This is all they had to do. Make sure the kids got their vaccinations, uh, you know, and and doing you know, and chronic diseases, making sure they got their medications and that. And I, I think you're right. I think they, they did a really good job and stayed within that, that focus. And for them, that was the biggest part of their, their work, not, not a little part of their work. Yep, yep. Just one other thing. You mentioned earlier about the size of the needle. Would that mean that somebody who's particularly large, either muscular or, or just fat, should have a longer needle than somebody Absol- who's skinny? Oh, absolutely. And if you go on you know, various websites like the CDC and, and, and probably the Australian ones, so I just can't remember where they are, they actually give a um, – there's a guidelines in terms of tables of what size needle you should – you should give so if you've got a, like a neonate you know a newborn baby you don't want to be using a great you know big needle and then that and uh, and, and and interesting when you th- think about things like that a neonate you use a, a fairly um you know not, not very long needle but then when you get to the toddlers and that they're actually quite chubby so you've got to use quite a thick needle 
And then when you get to the, the kids that are running around, you know, they, they become thin again and you've got to use a thinner needle again. But if you get a really big, beefy guy, you know, you, <laughs> you've got to use a bigger needle. So there are guidelines in, in, in the size of the needle too. You know? Right. Yeah. I've never paid any attention as to whether they sized me up and went, you're well, obviously a number six or a, yeah. or a but, number ten well, or something. In, in your case, Trevor, I don't think it was the, the length of the needle. I think it was a thick one. They said, "Here's the biggest, <laughs> thickest one we've got, and let's let's do three of them at the same time." <laughs> well, they, they, funnily enough, I'm one of these people who faints when I get a needle, like just oh. uncontrollably. So, whenever I get a needle, I always lie down. And so, even at these places with the um, vaccination centres. Uh, where everybody else is sitting in these long corridors of banks of people, I've said, show me where the bed is because yeah, I'm yeah. going to lie down when you do yeah. this. So, um, yeah. yeah so something like that, it's not the time to be embarrassed because if you fall over and crack your head open, you know, look, you're in the biggest spot of bother. So yeah. it's not, yeah, just swallow your pride and tell them, look, I've got a problem. At and and they'll deal right with it. they won't even think second. They won't even worry about, you know, it's, it's part of their job. Yeah, no, they're very, they're very encouraging. Whenever I say that, um, for any needle, they say, oh, I'm glad you told me. Of course, lie down here. Like they're, yeah, because you're right, they don't want you fainting. So, no. yeah, <laughs> and it's much more comfortable to lie down. So. <laughs> Right. Well, Joe or Shay, any questions for, for Deep Throat before we sign him out till his next appearance? <laughs> no, it's lovely to see you. Yeah, yeah, same. Likewise, likewise. So all the best there, you know, for 2022. Yep. And, all right, Deep Throat. Keep up the good work. Keep up all the right, work. we'll have you on more often. Good luck. See you, Deep Throat. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, there you go. The crackly voice or background of Deep Throat there. Mm -hmm. There we go. Interesting. I love the fact that he took a photograph and then went back the next day and spoke to the pharmacist and said, pharmacist and said, oh, this might not be right. How good's that? That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. You're still in the chat room. You reckon Novak should stay or go? Let us know. Um, Watley the Wizard says, all hail deep throat. I agree. And uh, um, David says, I had my booster on Saturday. I think the nurse got a bullseye. <laughs> Oh, good. All right. Um, <laughs> there was this fake tweet. There's, there's lots of fake Scott Morrison Twitter accounts and this, this fake one said, um, when I bump into everyday Australians at the shops, the one thing I always hear is, when are we going to buy more heavy artillery? And today, <laughs> and today that's what we've done. $3.5 billion worth of new tanks. Words fail me on these guys. Mm. Well, the only thing you can say is thanks for that. You <laughs> could say that, Joe. You could. Oh. Tanks. You know, the, the last time we used a tank, I've got it here in an article I read. Um, we haven't deployed a tank in combat since the Vietnam War. Like the whole anti-China rhetoric is we're talking ships, we're talking missiles, we're talking planes. We're not talking tanks. Well, when we have to defend the Brisbane line. <laughs> <laughs> this is just toys for boys, keeping the colonels and the generals happy. Mm -hmm. um, 
So from the Americans, we've agreed to purchase 120 tanks um, and $3.5 billion worth. Um, uh, the tanks will replace 59 Abrams MIA-1s, which were bought in 2007 but have not seen combat. It's 15 years. They're old. Yeah. And the fact that they haven't seen combat? <laughs> it's a deterrent. You know, that, that's just proved <laughs> that they worked. Yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Chief of Army Lieutenant General Rick Burr said tanks and combat engineering vehicles were essential to Australia's ability to contribute to combat that could be integrated with forces of other countries. Because of their versatility... Tanks can be used in a wide range of scenarios, environments and levels of conflict, he said. Honestly. And in the same week, a few days later, M1A1. Thank you, Craig Bean. Um, Craig, what's your opinion on the tanks? Is that a good idea or not? I think Craig may have some expertise in matters of this type. Um, in the same week, Dutton said um, he urged celebrities and athletes to use their star status to draw attention to China's treatment of women, warning that Beijing is escaping scrutiny despite the plight of Chinese tennis player Peng Shui. Not that the government has got any problem with women and the treatment of women, but he's telling celebrities. Or, or uh, even the treatment of tennis players. Yes, uh, Yes, indeed. Yes. Yep. What has this government got to do? Like, I know what I read. I mean, I do read News Corp stuff and I do read Fairfax stuff. And I, can, this, can these guys get away with it? with this sort of nonsense continually, can they? It, it, it'll just be so interesting to see. So um, um, John Lord wrote, I find it impossible to imagine that the Australian people could be so gullible as to elect for a fourth term a government that has performed so miserably in the previous three and has amongst its members some of the most devious, suspicious and corrupt men and women, but they just might. <laughs> well, you know what Labour's like. They're always snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Even they couldn't, surely, in this case. Like, surely. Um, Saturday paper, editorial. Scott Morrison's smile is like a measuring tape. It lengthens as he decides what it is he can get away with. The calibration is sometimes off, but this does not affect his confidence. Before he speaks, he sucks air hard through his nose. One last assessment, as if to smell the credulity of the room. Some people are good writers. That's good writing there. Uh, so I'm hanging my hat on my hopes on, yeah, the batuta, the chaser, the shovel, every comedian in Australia, um, lots of people just... There is no shortage of, of things to poke fun at with these groups so with this government, so I'm just hanging the hat on people reading that stuff along the way and getting the idea. 
So, like, just to give you an example, some of the great headlines from, for example, the Batuta Advocate. So just going by the headlines um, of some of their articles, um, sleep-deprived nurse relieved to hear future is now in safe hands with 75 diesel-powered tanks. Um, Scotty spends three nuclear point, tanks. Yeah. Scotty spends three point five billion on tanks to distract from how he treated Novak, to distract from rat shortage. Um, uh, desperate Scotty informs media that Jokovic just threw children overboard from quarantine hotel. <laughs> Future lockdowns all but confirmed after PM declares they'll never happen again. <laughs> That sort of stuff you would hope would cut through. Let's mm. let's hope so. Yeah, I, I doubt uh, it because the people they're preaching to the choir. Mm. The people who believe it are the people who are going to be reading that, and the people who don't believe it won't read it. Yeah, but surely the older crowd who vote conservative are dying off in the last three years, and the younger ones have come in who couldn't vote. Uh, in the last three years, the 16 and 17-year-olds from the previous um, election. Hopefully, it'll change. Now, you saw the the tests for COVID, like people waiting five, six, eight, ten hours for a test. Mm. I looked at it and thought, are you crazy? Did you look at that and think, this is madness, what are you doing? Or did you think, good law-abiding citizen? No, I thought they were crazy. I went and got a test on the 30th of December mm-hmm. um, and it was, oh, my God, the queues are going to be ridiculous. Mm. And they had three parallel queues going and we were done in 15 minutes. I okay. was impressed. If you'd arrived and they said, join the queue, it'll be three or four hours, would you have stayed? Probably not. Hmm. Yeah, Shay, did you think it was amazing that people would line up for those hours for a test? Um, I think I think maybe they didn't know there might be other places, or I think they I think they were just probably desperate found found their their need to travel or their need to find out their test results urgently, and just weren't thinking like. Um, like I can imagine, if you had an overseas flight and you needed it, you had to, or even. An, but there couldn't have been that many people who needed it for a flight. I just, I know, it, it just people, amazed me. People do just join queues. That's another funny thing about working in airport. <laughs> They'll queue up at check-in places where there's obviously no people. They'll, yeah, I don't know. People, people, people will queue. But I had a similar experience. I went to get a test on the 29th just near my house, drive through, 15 minutes. Right. So yeah. I'm surprised people aren't Googling other places, but I'm not that surprised. Right. People yep. just want to do the right thing. So they just get in the queue. And a lot of the news was saying, like, doesn't matter where you go, you're going to be queuing for hours, you're going to be waiting a long time. So it's been like, oh, well, just pick one. I just could not sit in a car for four or five hours. I mean, what, what did these people do when they needed to go to the toilet? Why did they all have a piss bottle in the car or something? Did they, like, what did they do? I just... I presume there's facilities mind. there for the staff. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
So, dear listener, just uh, my my two daughters contracted COVID. They were living in Brisbane. I was on the Gold Coast at the time. Um, so we'd been out and uh, two grandchildren got it and so they had sort of just regular flu symptoms for a day and over and done with pretty quickly. So that was good. Pretty sure my wife, um, she had classic flu symptoms plus loss of smell and taste and given the lack of the flu, the normal flu in the community, pretty sure she had it, and but we couldn't buy a rat anywhere. Uh, tried as hard as we wanted, but we, we signed up to the pharmacy when we were down the Gold Coast who said, yep, yeah, you'll have one in two days' time, but they kept delaying it, delaying it because of logistics problems, and in the end they just gave up and said, sorry, we thought we'd be able to provide one, just can't do it. So, so we'll probably end... Um, of course, my wife and I are sleeping in the same bed and sharing lots of the same area. And if she had it, it's hard to imagine I didn't get it, but I've had absolutely zero symptoms, nothing at all, not a skerrick of anything, which is entirely possible because I'm triple vaccinated. So, um, so yeah, so if I had to place a bet, I would say my wife um, almost certainly got it, and then therefore I most certainly must have got it and didn't even know. So that's what's going on in this household. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting where you'll have a lot of people like us who were not able to get access to rats who will never really be sure if we actually had it or not. I find that bizarre. I, I've been listening to my English friends talking about LFTs for the last two years, which mm. are lateral flow tests. And they've been given away for free. I mean, to the point where friends in the UK were talking about posting some to me. Mm. Uh, and for some mm. reason, we've called them rats and we're not giving them away for free. <laughs> yep. it's, it seems like they're, they're coming out of everybody's ears in, in Europe. Mm. Yeah. There's so many, they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, Julia says they had to wait for around five hours. You do what you have to do. Everyone pitches in. Like, Julia, I reckon if we were in COVID zero, I would have. Like, at that point um, where we were trying to keep a lid on it and and aim for COVID zero, I, I possibly would have then. Um, it, but, gee, when it, the cat's out of the bag like it has obviously been, I just, I just didn't see the point in it. Um, but... Good on these people for, and you for doing the right thing, but I just sort of think, wow, that's that's a commitment. Um, to me, when it was like the whole thing is just so prevalent and is is now the cat's out of the bag, what, sort of what was the point? So, um, And Julia says, yeah, it may be different now. So, Julia, if the same thing happened today, you, um, you wouldn't do it by the sounds of it. So, um, and, and, you know, it's very different when you're talking about getting a vaccine. Where the the effects are going to be long term and long lasting, but mm. as you yeah, under the current circumstances, if you get a positive test, so what? Mm. Really, the other thing is it going to make yes. any difference to your behaviour? No, that's right. You've just got to assume you've got it and act according to it. And um, yeah, you know what happened to that army guy? who was trotted out by the Prime Minister and would appear standing yeah. beside him. 
as our logistics expert because everyone knows the Army's really good for helping you organise your logistics. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen him for no. six to eight weeks. <laughs> and I reckon the next time I see him, it will be when Scotty throws him under a bus. <laughs> yes. When he blames him for uh, mm. the poor rollout. Okay. Now, the whole kerfuffle then. Prior to, in the world prior to Novak Djokovic, we had the whole conundrum, not only the lack of rats, but the cost and people saying these things should be provided for free. And what did the government say? Well, Simon Birmingham said, one of our cabinet ministers, in partnership with the states, our government is providing COVID-19 tests free to those who need them. Typical of Labor, Albanese says they should be free everywhere without knowing what it would cost or considering the wasteful hoarding it would generate. <laughs> oh. And um, that independent journalist, if you like, Michael, um, I forget his name. But he can tell you how much it'll cost. So he measured it up against the tanks. Rick said it right. would have cost $230 million. Right. To get, get how many tests. Yep. Yep. That would have left us a good bunch of money left over. Well, if you're buying them wholesale at cost, mm -hmm. they couldn't be more than a dollar each. 25 yep. million Australians, 10 each, $250 million. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Duh. <laughs> yeah. One a week for 10 weeks. <laughs> Typical of Labor. Albanese says these should be free everywhere. But you know what? Labor was slow on it. Like they Albany, were so slow. <laughs> when they came out, when this was being argued, it took days. Albanese initially said, I think they should be affordable but he did not say they should be free. You were aware of that, Shay? You saw that and just yes. thought, what the hell are you doing? Yes. <sighs> and in the absence of him, I must say the independents like Joe Dyer for Boothby and the ones in Sydney have been out in force on Twitter doing a really good job of um, cleverly phrasing their complaints, you know. So another yeah. big opportunity, by the way, for Pipe. Di Straits in the chat room says, the reason we haven't seen that army dude is he was out shopping for tanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vehicle. Yep. And Alison, uh, with the 30% positive rates for PCR, PCR tests, uh, she wouldn't be caught dead in a queue. I mean, if you're trying to catch COVID, that's where you'd go, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I just find that extraordinary. And... You know, surely people can see that we gave $38 billion to businesses like Jerry Harvey who didn't need it and we're not prepared just to give out tests and people can see, well, that's what happens in other countries. This is not extraordinary. So mm -hmm. um, oh, surely people won't forget. Please. No. I know it's going to be five months away. Like, no, I think the impact has been widely felt. Yeah. 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 Um, as this guy said on Twitter, thank goodness the government was smart and didn't give out the free, the much more expensive vaccinations and PCR tests. <laughs> I, could, 
mean? Like, so these things are so obvious that you just sort of, the statement is just so weird and so left field that the obvious misses you. Like, a PCR test is free. A vaccination is free. Why isn't a rat free? Like, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, okay. What else have we got here? Um, spending as uh, oh Joe, you've been mm-hmm. battling free thinkers. <laughs> What's that? Yes. Um, so historically, free thinking was uh, really a um, a secular movement. It was all about freedom from religious dogma, and was interesting was possibly um more centrist so not left-leaning not right-leaning but seems to have become very very libertarian recently and seems to be a hotbed for conspiracy theories about covid in fact uh, QAnon and stop the steal was probably the first signs of it mm-hmm. and um, has become very very jump on the latest bandwagon so if there's a anti-vax conspiracy going around i tend to see it there first Mm. and um, they are dogmatically certain that their scientists, their cherry-picked scientists, know more than the thousands and thousands of scientists who work in the field. And you're and, wading into the comment uh, forums and, and yeah, I mean, I, and throwing I, a few punches out there, Joe. I mean, um, it, it's less around trying to change the minds of the people whose minds have been made up. It's not letting the bullshit go unchallenged for, you know, there's a thousand people in there. There's 10 regular commenters. Uh, it's for the 990 people who are sat reading so that they don't see the bullshit go unchallenged. Mm. Uh, and I did get a comment back the other day which said, thank you. You know, if it hadn't been for people like you putting reasonable arguments back, I would have fallen down the rabbit hole. Wow. Wow. And, That's good. Yeah, and, and, you know, um, it, it really is, sometimes it feels frustrating just dealing with the same bullshit over and over. Um, but it is worthwhile not to change the minds of those people who are dogmatic, but for the silent majority who are listening. Well, I applaud you for your efforts, Joe. just as I applauded Deep Throat for uh, <laughs> visiting the pharmacist and telling him how to do the needle. Getting off your butt and doing something. That's what it's about. Yeah. Shay, you're going to get off your butt and do something with Qantas, but we can't talk about that probably. <laughs> yes, we have to work out my best argument. We're okay. going to have to help. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, in the chat room, we said earlier, if you're late to the chat room, um, you know that Jokovic, should we kick him out or let him stay? Uh, just let us know what your thought is there. Be just, I'm curious to see what the response is. So let me know your vote uh, on that and... I'd really like to get 100 comments on this episode. Uh, we get a little indicator pops up if we do. We shouldn't be too far off it, I think. So, okay. Um, spending has crashed. So there is a graph which, oh, this was put out by ANZ, observed spending. And I think that uses credit card information and other stuff. And essentially, um, after, um, in the last few weeks, retail spending has absolutely plummeted. 
Australia. So if you've got a small business relying on people buying stuff, it's been tough times. So New South Wales, I think, is finding that um, while they don't, well, they've relaxed the rules in terms of businesses operating, the businesses themselves are having to close because their staff are all sick and people aren't coming anyway. Like our economy has really taken a hit in the last few weeks. If you're involved in that side of the the world, let me know in the comments. If you've got a small business that tries to sell stuff, you must have found things tough. Even people say, I've got friends, uh, Jewish community in Melbourne. Uh, lots of their friends are medical specialists. And they're doing it tough because all elective surgery has been cancelled. So um, with everybody, even though you've got a high income, you invariably create expenses that more or less match your income and when the tap when the taps turned off, you're in trouble. And um, they were they said something like at the Jewish school um, that they go to, there was an extraordinary number of defaults on payment of um, school fees that they hadn't seen ever before. Um, I think she was quoting a quarter to a third, but I'm not sure on that. But uh, yeah, so even in the top end. Um, Medical specialists, for example, struggling because can't do elective surgery, can't get money. So, Jill in chat room says, "Let him stay. Let me know your votes." Um, oh, what else have we got? Just examples of media bias. Um, I saw this one, which <laughs> so this is two different papers on the same day. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, well, actually, I'll start with Victor. Yeah, Sydney Morning Herald. On that day, there were 22,500 new cases. And who's and the, the headline, SMH owned by? Yes, Fairfax. Which, who's running Fairfax and nine? Peter Costello. He's head of that now, isn't he? So Is he? They've gone, yeah. Um, so on the day that 22,500 new cases came out in New South Wales, the headline in the Sydney Morning Herald was... Hope bursts through COVID cloud as Sydney rings in the new year. Meanwhile, in Victoria, which had a third that number, it had 7,700 cases, the age, the headline was, new infections surge to an all-time high as state hits 7,442 COVID cases. These, these are the sort of everyday um, media bias messages that come through that uh, just subliminally work on people. Um, oh, over the holidays, got a very nice donation from Dave S. Thank you, Dave, for that very generous donation. Much appreciated. If you would like to donate to this podcast and help keep the lights on, head to the website. You'll see a link for donations. Patreon, where you can donate per episode, or if you don't like the idea of that, um, there's PayPal, so you can do... Um, either a one-off or a regular donation through that helps pay the costs. Lets me know that you think it's worthwhile. Buy the rum, and it's and helps pay for the rum. Uh, so, mind you, at the rate we're going, we probably won't be all together in this room for quite a while. But um, we, this remote thing's working fine. So, um, all right. Other things Thanks, that happened. Just quickly, I was talking to my older sister today and she and she was just like, the obvious biggest problem Australia has right now is Rupert. And in parts of England, they did successfully boycott his papers. Mm. So any ideas how the little people can sort of 
manage or confront the Rupert problem? I reckon, I reckon people shooting. Lots of people don't buy it. Like, no, nobody really sure. buys newspapers anymore. But I reckon right. people should say at a cafe or something, "What is that rag doing here? What did? I'm going to stop buying your coffee if you're going to put that thing here." Um, yeah, you know, maybe that's the way to go. Like, like. Say to well, them, like, I, I see it at the checkout at Woolies. You know, should mm. I be lobbying Woolies to take it away from the checkout? Clearly, a waste of time. They're never going to listen to you. But maybe local cafes would. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, and, and is it really Rupert or is it James? Uh, <laughs> is there a difference? <laughs> well, James is. James is just more Christian. That's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Which, no, whichever Lachlan. one took over? Lachlan. Lachlan. Lachlan, Lachlan yeah. took over. Okay, is that Lachlan? Yeah, Lachlan took over. And he is a mad mm-hmm. Christian. He actually believes it, mm-hmm. you know. Just, you know, Rupert's just doing a deal with the with the evangelicals for power. So, so, but so who, was worse, the Max, who was worse, the Maxwells or the, the Murdochs? Uh, clearly Murdochs. But way more, far more powerful, far more pervasive, far more organised. Like, you know, when yeah, people but as, talk as, about as Trump, far as we know, they weren't smuggling children to. Yeah, but his worldwide influence is way worse than the Maxwell. So, when people talked about Trump, they go, "Imagine if there was a guy like Trump, but who was actually clever and organised." <laughs> we well, don't have to imagine. It's just Rupert Murdoch, and he decided to do it via a media empire because that was the most effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, let me see. James is Packer's boy. Yeah. Ja- um, that's right. James is James Packer. Who's the other one? There's Lachlan and who's the other one who's sort of left the family amongst the Murdochs and is now really writing anti-Murdoch stuff? Is he a James as well? I thought so, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. What we've got here uh, in the comments. Uh, uh, Alison wrote a lot, but you didn't um, you didn't say, Alison, whether you thought Novak should be kicked out or not. I'm interested to know what you think. Um, um, okay. What else have I got here? Um, Tony Blair was knighted. Sir Tony Blair. The guy who's the architect of the Iraq War, one of the main instigators of it, and we know that it was done for bullshit reasons. We know it killed millions of people. And he gets a knighthood. Um, One million Iraqis dead, three million dispossessed. This is from the BBC. The ex-Labor leader who was in power from... 1997 to 2007, was given the title as the New Year's honours were awarded. Uh, There's a petition that his role in the Iraq war makes him personally responsible for many deaths and accuses him of war crimes. Labor leader Sir Keir Starmer said, said that Tony Blair had earned a knighthood and a government minister said it was only right to reward the former prime minister who had done many good things for the UK. Um, so he became an Order of the Garter, England's oldest and most senior order of chivalry, 
and it's the personal choice of the Queen who has up to 24 knight and lady companions. Uh, current Prime Minister Boris Johnson not involved in the decision. Um, unlike the New Year's Honours list, which is drawn up by the government for the Queen's approval, the Order of the Garter is bestowed as a personal gift by the Queen. And... Um, um, I thought it was a fairly usual payoff for former Prime Ministers anyway. It was Baroness well, Thatcher. It, yeah, Wasn't well, John Major a knighted? Yeah, indeed. But when you've started a war like the Iraq War, at what point, what disqualifies all, all the Falklands? you? Yes. Well, indeed, yes. Didn't kill as many people. No. Didn't dispossess as many people. The scale was smaller. Honestly, and uh, so, so he created the war and he gets a knighthood. Julian Assange exposes the war crimes, facing lifetime in prison. Just, just wait till Boris gets knighted. Mm. And so that's the Queen's personal choice. And did you hear that um, LNP's state... Uh, member Jared Blage, um, he wants a new statue for the Queen, um, commissioned oh. to celebrate her 70th year on the throne. With all the shit going on in the world, that's what Jared's wanting to do. Uh, it's important. Yep. We just named some island in Canberra after her as well. We've named the state after her. <laughs> He's a devoted monarch. He's also called on the Palaszczuk government to look at naming a public monument after Elizabeth II as well. So that's what keep that's what keeping Jared alight awake at night. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now Alison has given her a strong opinion. She's declared him a fuckwit. Yes, he's the one who actually um, he was on TV um, bemoaning the work of the Noosa Temple of Satan and. Uh, taking it all very seriously is a terrible thing. And uh, in the background, one of his fellow MPs was sort of giggling. And, um, and that was the one that we found out through freedom of the right to information request. Um, somebody internally was writing to somebody else internally saying, don't these God botherers ever get sick of doing this or something like that. So that's Jared Blage for you. Um, how are we going for time? 9.03. Um, you guys got anything you want to get off your chest before I think about winding this one up? Have you guys got anything desperate to get off your chest? Um, I just was thinking about the right thing. I don't know about kicking him out or letting him stay being the right thing. One right thing I'd like to see is less discretion for ministers around this stuff. Write a clear policy, get it passed through Parliament. It was purposefully designed as all-powerful without any checks and balances. Yeah. Especially if you have a friend who's got an au pair that needs a visa. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Limit those types of discretionary powers or write a policy that has a clear mandate about when they can be applied. Yeah. That's Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, oh, actually, there was one other thing I did want to mention. Um, there was a business which – now, you've heard of 
employees being sacked for not being vaccinated. Oh, yeah, the Church of Ubuntu. <laughs> the Church of Ubuntu sacked an employee because she was vaccinated. Yeah, well, let's put it this way there. <clears throat> Grasp on um, science is fairly limited. Mm. They're, they're heavily into the alternative medicine. Uh, sorry, so-called alternative medicine, which gets abbreviated to scam. So this woman was working for the church, which runs a wellness clinic that sells medicinal hemp products and she was a client consultant for 12 months, but she was dismissed after her boss found out she had received the jab. Um, a letter from the church's vice president praised her work but said getting a vaccination was inconsistent with its religious teachings. It's, uh, in their words, consciously and deliberately with intent is in contradiction with our constitution and contrary to our position on what is required of us by our Lord God and Creator. And no doubt, this is a genuinely held religious belief and therefore... Religious freedom. Religious freedom. And it doesn't really matter whether it's complete nonsense. It's just, is that a genuinely held belief? In which case, Saka. So... As this article says, the debate about the proposed religious discrimination bill often neglects to acknowledge religious institutions are already permitted to make discriminatory hiring and firing decisions so long as they are motivated by, motivated by their religious beliefs. Um, that's according to Jolene Riley Munton, a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Technology, Sydney. Um, she said religions did not have to prove their reasons are valid according to some measure of objective rationality. They just have to establish that they took their decision in good faith to avoid injury to the religious susceptibilities of adherence of that religion or creed. There you go. So, <laughs> Alison has gone off again in the chat room. Uh, you're, you're feisty tonight, Alison. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, there we go. That's what as long as it's your religious you. belief, or sorry, it's your belief on religion. Yeah, yeah, sack people. Incredible. This is the, this is where we're at in Australia. Other countries would be appalled. Apparently, the ABC uh, each year broadcasts Christmas messages from religious groups, and mm. this year, just gone, they broadcast the one from uh, Brian Houston of Hillsong as part of a Christmas message on the ABC. For fuck's sake. Can you not, as an editorial decision, just say, we are not going to help this group? Surely um, Well, um, they did allow John Dixon to pen some article about why Jesus was real. Right, yes. Why, why sane people believe that Jesus is real. And that was on ABC, yeah. That was on ABC too. Yeah. Um Actually, got an interesting statistic my son came across. Here's a good argument. When we talk about how many people are religious and we look at the census where people declare whether they have a religious affiliation or not, I reckon this is a good test. Whether you choose a civil celebrant for your marriage or a religious celebrant, like that's really part of whether you're a practising, believing 
religious person. I mean, if you truly believe in a religion and are a follower, you would not be getting married by a civil celebrant. And um, the 2020 figures are out from the Australian Bureau of Statistics and 80% of Australians uh, chose a civil celebrant. That's a big proportion, I think. Mm. Yep. So, um, um, so, yeah, I've got the statistics there and when we're really talking about genuine religious belief, surely if you are getting married, you would have a, a religious celebrant if you're a true believer. It was interesting to see 20 years ago how high it was. Um, it was yeah. 75% religious, I think. Um, let me see. I'll pull that up on the screen. I got that. Let me see here. So, I don't know, 50%. If you got it there, let me see. Two um, thousand was fifty percent civil settlements. Yep, fifty-two point eight, and two thousand ten sixty-nine, two thousand and twenty eighty percent. No, I wouldn't mind doing uh, satanic religious ceremonies down the track in my retirement. That could be fun. I reckon there could be some really cool people who would want that. So. It's on the agenda. It's it's very, very difficult to get registered as a – because you have to have a a, a full course that's deemed the equivalent of the civil registrant um, course. I think think that's a two-week course. Right. As I said, in retirement, (laughs) it can't be that hard. It's a lot easier to do what the Pastavarians are doing and become civil celebrant who – do a religious-themed ceremony. Right. Yep. Um, what else have I got here? I think that is the main ones to get through. It's 9.10. We've gone for an hour and 40 minutes. We've kept Shay out of the shark tank yet again. Uh, let me get rid of that screen. She's not Shay the subversive. She's shark tank Shay, isn't she? Yeah, either one. So. <laughs> Steel Wolf has posted a joke twice. Should we, should we hear it? Yeah, what was it? Why don't ants get COVID? Why? Antibodies. Nice <laughs> 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 one. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, well good, good on you in the chat room. You've been going off in there and um, uh, that's good to see. Uh, ch- we'll be back with the panel in two weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Um, might even speak to the Velvet Glove. I haven't mentioned it to him. But we'll see what we've got organised. Um, ah, I read this book, which I was sure I was going to end up doing a book review on, and I, I actually wasted a fair number of days in the holidays. You know when you get a book and you think, oh, I'm starting to – it's hard work. I, st- I, I really persevered with it, and it was a book that was uh, really talking about – this is progression in human evolution that says we were hunter-gatherers and we were egalitarian. Then when we discovered agriculture and we formed cities, we then had hierarchies which led to inequality. And it was just a sort of a natural thing of once we coalesced together, we had inequality and hierarchy. And the book was basically showing lots of examples, particularly in South America and North American 
Indian tribes where they got quite large, were hunter-gatherers, were not agrarian, but um, quite large cities and they were quite egalitarian. Anyway, I, was, I persevered with it and it was really hard work. I, I spent a lot of hours on it and, and then, then I got to the footnotes or the endnotes. Like there was, there was like 40 pages of endnotes. And I, and I, I was working my way through those. This is crazy, I know. <laughs> As I tell it, it's ridiculous. Anyway, I've, one of the footnotes was about uh, referred to Bruce Pascoe and his book Dark Emu and was glowing about, about <laughs> it. And I was like, oh, no. If you guys <laughs> writing this book have taken Bruce Pascoe's word on all his stuff, then I can't trust any of the stuff that you've said about any of these North American and South American tribes at all. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've just wasted so many hours. I should have just abandoned it. So um, I stopped reading and started doing watercolours then on my holidays. <laughs> <laughs> what a downer experience. Yeah. There you go. So there's a lesson for you. If you're working, if a book becomes just hard work, give up early. That's what you've done. Or I did listen up. Sunk cost well, fallacy. Yeah, it was indeed. Yeah, I fell for that one. All right, dear listeners, in the chat room, thanks for your comments. I'll be back next week with something and we'll be back with the panel in two weeks. We'll talk to you then. Bye for now. Good night. That's a good night from him. <laughs> <laughs>